Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are joining us, whether you're here in person or uh, you're watching online. Either way, we're so grateful for you. And we're going to do something that a couple billion people will be doing today. It's called the Pascal Greeting. Uh, and it goes something like this. I say Christ is risen, and you repeat back, he is risen indeed. See, some of you already have it. It's kind of a tradition maybe for some of you if you grew up in church. Uh, so here we go. Ready? Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. I'm so grateful for you guys. I, I was thinking about it this morning, uh, and we're one year out from when uh, kind of all this stuff started happening in our world. And I remember a year ago, uh, it was the first time, I've been in ministry for 24 years. It was the first time in 24 years uh, where I did not spend Easter all day at a church. Uh, and so there were some positives of that, but it was also really weird experience. And then I thought about, uh, man, just this last year and all the changes we've gone through. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the way that you love and support this church and support our community. Uh, thank you for the way that you've worked with us and all the changes that we've gone through. And, you know, churches, like every business, have, uh, have had to make a lot of changes. Now, every business in the world has had to make changes. And some of those changes are good and some of those changes are not so good. Like one of those changes that restaurants have made that I don't think is very good, uh, and maybe it's because of to-go orders or something like that, but they now all pretty much ask you for your name. And I don't like that. As I like boycotted Starbucks for like two years because they asked my name. Like don't ask my name. Why? Because here's my, here's my scenario every time. I pull up to Chick-fil-A, and welcome to Chick-fil-A. Can I have a name for this order? Yeah, it's Ernest. Okay, Burnus? No. Arnast? No. Burnin? No. Like they never, even this past week, I was like, I'm just going to do something different. So I gave him my wife's name, Sarah. I pull up to the drive-thru, Sam, you can't even get that one right. Like what, what is, I hate it. Why? Because a name has importance. Like the most important word that someone could ever say to you is your name. Like all of our names have significance to it. All of our names have importance to it. And every generation has given importance to a name. But probably no people group uh, in, the, in the history of the world has given greater importance to name than the Jewish people. The Jewish people, they, they believed that, that your essence of who you were, like your being, was wrapped up in a name. So if they wanted you to, to have a good life, they gave you a good name. Maybe like Abigail. Abigail means my father's joy. It's like a great name. You know, if your name is Abigail, you're your father's joy. Or, or Aaron. Aaron means a, a high tower or exalted, which is very fitting for our worship pastor because his name is Aaron and he's really tall. He is a high tower for sure. Uh, or, or they would give you a name if they didn't want your life to go so well, uh, like the name JL. I chose that because I don't think that's any of y'all's names. It means mountain goat. That's a female name, by the way. So imagine somebody, ladies, calling you a mountain goat. Uh, or or uh, the name Zilpa, which means frailty. So, oh, she's so frail. Like, that's not a positive, you know, in somebody's life. And so the Jewish people really believed that, that a name was, its, was a person's essence. It was, it was who they were wrapped up. So when they began to explore this relationship with God and they began trying to figure out how do we call, what do we call him? They came up with names that described him. Like El Roy means the God who always sees me. Or Jehovah Rapha means the God who heals. Or Jehovah Jireh, which means the God who provides. They gave God these names that, that meant something, that described who he was. But then in Exodus chapter 3, we see God giving himself a name. 
So he gives himself a name, so we've got to take pause on it and go, okay, what does this name mean? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to, to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus is at the very beginning uh, of, the, of the Bible. It's right after the book of Genesis. If you don't have a Bible, no worry. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, let me set it up for you. So this guy named Moses, um, he, uh, he eventually becomes the leader of the, the Israelites. He leads them out of captivity in Egypt into right to the cusp of the promised land. Well, Moses is out tending to a sheep one day. Uh, he looks over in the desert, and there's a, a bush that is burning. Now, it's kind of a strange sight, but not that strange because things, you know, will go up in flames, I guess, from time to time. But this was a bush that wasn't burning up. So it was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. Now, that's a little strange. So Moses walks over to it, and then out from the burning bush, a voice starts talking to him. Now, Moses must be thinking, I haven't had any special brownies or anything like that, like, I mean, could you imagine being him in that moment? Like, what is happening? And this bush eventually says, hey, you're standing on holy ground for I am God. And then he says, Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to Egypt. And I want you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. And Moses knows that the people of Israel are going to go, but who's telling us this? Again, because the power is in the name. So if he says, well, Ernest is telling me, they're going to be like, who's Ernest? We don't care about him. So, so this burning bush, God that you say you are, the, who am I supposed to say that you are? And that's where God answers them in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now that term I am is the Hebrew hayah, and it, it, it has this present tense and this futuristic tense, and it's God saying that I've always been around, that I, 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 was, I, was, I existed long ago, I exist right now, I'll exist in the future, and who I am, I'm everything. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the, the king of glory, the prince of peace. I am everything to you. And the Jewish people, they weren't sure what to call him because you can't say I am, so they called him uh, uh, basically he is, which was a term Yahweh. So they gave him the name Yahweh to say he is. Now that term Yahweh was really sacred. It wasn't a name that they would speak in public. It wasn't a name they would speak in private. It wasn't something they would even write down. So now you fast forward to Jesus coming onto the scene. And Jesus is standing there before some of the religious leaders. And they're like, who are you? They were confused about what he was saying and what he was doing and who he was. I, I think the religious leaders in a lot of ways are, are much like you and I. We go, well, who is Jesus really? I mean, is he just a good person? Was he just a good teacher? Was he a prophet? Jesus says, I, I'm all those things and more. So these religious leaders, they say, well, are you better than Abraham, who's our forefather? And that's what we pick up in John chapter 8, verse 58. And Jesus proclaims very clearly who he is. He says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, that may sound like a weird statement, maybe not even grammatically correct. Jesus would say something like that. But when he says the term, I am, the Jewish people knew exactly what he was saying. He wasn't just saying, yeah, I am this. He's saying, I am God. In fact, we know that the Jewish people knew he was saying that because the very next verse, it says, at this, they picked up stones to stone him. They were going to kill him. Why in the world would they want to kill Jesus in this moment? The only justification they would have to throwing stones at Jesus and trying to kill him is for blasphemy. For him saying that he was on the same page, he was on the same level, that he is God. So when Jesus makes this statement, I am, he's not just saying, I am this, I am a human, I am whatever. He's saying, I am God. 
Over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the seven I am statements of Jesus. Seven statements that are recorded in scripture that, that not only speak to Jesus being fully human and fully man somehow, but speak to who he is and how it relates to our lives. Today we're going to look at the two I am statements that I believe that for most of us in this room are, um, are going to be exactly what we need to hear today. You see, maybe some of us this last year has been great. Maybe you've just experienced blessing after blessing and, and it hasn't been hard at all. But for the majority of us, including myself, this year has had maybe some highs but a lot of lows. And so I believe that these two I am statements are going to speak to you. If that's kind of been your journey over the last year, my journey over the last year, then I believe that God wants to speak to you through these two I am statements. The first one is found in John chapter 11. And I love this story. Jesus is invited uh, to a town called Bethany. And Bethany is where a couple of his friends live, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Well, Lazarus has just died. And so they've asked him to come. And so here's where we pick up the story, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. What faith. What incredible faith of this woman to say, hey, if you would have been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't even have died. But even now, you can ask for anything, and I know that God will grant it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, here's the first one, I am the resurrection and the life. The only, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says, I am. Again, not a statement that they would have used back then because that's you saying that I'm God. So he says, I am. Well, what do you mean by that? You're saying that you're God? What does that mean? Well, I am the resurrection and the life. And then go over to John chapter 14, verse 6, and the disciples, they're having this discussion with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be resurrected. There's going to be an empty tomb. And by the way, after that, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, a place that we all call heaven. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. It's going to be incredible. And disciples are like, we don't understand what you're talking about. What do you mean you're going to prepare? Where are you going? What kind of place are you preparing? How do we get there? They asked. And Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll live. And then he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That means no other religions, no other belief systems, not, a, not enough good works. There's no other way you get to heaven but through Jesus. He's not only proclaiming to be God here, but he's saying, and this is how this impacts you. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live. What does it mean to live? Well, that term live in the Greek is zeo, and it literally means to have a, a full life, to have a blessed life, to have a true life, a powerful life. It's like if someone would say, man, how's life going? You'd be like, man, it's incredible. Like, honestly, it couldn't be any better. Like, that's the type of life that Jesus says he's come to bring us, this, this life that feels fulfilling. Like, my, like, you would say, man, it's my best life that I've ever lived. Like, any part of my life, if there's any part that's great, it's right now. That's the type of life that Jesus has come to bring us. And so when I read that and I hear that Jesus says anybody who believes in me will live, and that's the type of life that they'll live, it makes me ask three questions. Number one, what life does Jesus offer us? What exactly is the life that Jesus offers us? 
Well, I can describe it in a lot of ways. Let me give you a few things that he offers you in the life that, that, that he represents and, and chooses to give to those who believe in him. He offers you freedom. Freedom from your sickness, freedom from your sins, freedom from your addiction, from your bondage, from the anxiety, from the worry, anything that is holding you down, anything that you say, man, I, I feel trapped. I feel held down by what, maybe something that you've walked in in life, maybe something that you've done, maybe something that's been done to you, but I, feel, I just feel trapped. I don't feel like I can break free of this. Jesus says, I offer you freedom. He also offers joy, a joy that's not based on circumstances. It's not based on like your marriage being great and your kids being amazing and your job being perfect and the world being, and mask mandates, no mask mandates, like not based on any, a joy that's not based on anything going on in your life, a joy that surpasses all of that, a joy that is everlasting, not everlasting in the sense of when you die, it's everlasting and everlasting that starts today. He offers you joy. He offers you purpose. I mean, how many times have you and I said, man, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? It's the number one question that people ask. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And Jesus says, I've come to give you life, and as a part of that life is purpose. I've come to give you purpose. I have purpose for you. I know why you're created. And he's come to give us hope. Again, much like joy, a hope that's not built on your circumstance. It's not based on what you can see today, but a hope that is everlasting, a hope that surpasses all that you see right now. A hope that everything that's happening right now, that, man, tomorrow will be better, that eternity will be greater. And I can go through a lot more things that he offers. I mean, he offers you peace. He, he offers you identity. Like, you can actually know who you are in Christ. He offers you uh, so much. When he says, I'm, I've come to give you life, he's saying, I've come to bring you freedom. I've come to give you joy and purpose and hope and peace and identity and so much more. What type of life does Jesus offer us? The second question then comes up, am I living that life? Are you living that life? Like, are you living this life that he talks about, this true, full of life, blessed, powerful? John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and life to the full. Like, I want you to be filled up. Like, man, I can't take any more life. That's all I got. This is amazing. He says he's come to bring that. Are you living that life. Am I living that life? I saw a picture of a, uh, a couple pictures I wanted to show you guys. It's of DIA. This is DIA right before COVID hit. Typical DIA, right? Like no parking spaces except in the very far corner. You have to walk 18,000 miles to get to your flight. That's, that's DIA right before COVID. Now here's a picture of DIA in the middle of COVID. And to me, that's our lives, many of us. For many of us, that's what our relationships look like. For many of us, that's what our marriages look like. That's what our parenting looks like. That's where our kids might say that they're at right now. They're like, we long to have a parking lot that's full. We long to have life. But right now, Ernest, being real honest with where I'm at, I feel very, very empty. I mean, this last year, it's been... It's been really hard. I've been a pastor for 24 years, and never, ever have I seen in one year so many broken homes. And it breaks my heart. 
separations, the divorces, the kids struggling, the name it, the homes that are just hurting right now. Or go over to financial hardships and the people that are struggling, my friends who have lost jobs, who have lost businesses, significant income. Or maybe you've experienced relational fatigue. Have you been there yet? Where you're like, could I just have like one normal friend? Like just one semi-healthy, not crazy friend. Get off of social media first. And then maybe you can find that person. But have you been there with like your relationships where you're like, honestly, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Or maybe you've been there mentally. Maybe right now mentally you're fatigued. Where you're wrestling with increased anxiety or hopelessness or panic attacks or sleepless nights or suicidal thoughts. And maybe a year ago you're like, man, I was good a year ago. Now I've dealt with things mentally that I never thought I'd wrestle with. I've been in a place mentally that I never thought I'd go. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're in a place of spiritual brokenness. We'd say, man, I, I'm really struggling in my relationship with God. Maybe it's because you've disconnected in some way from church or from spiritual practices or maybe just the pain that you've been going through and you're like, God, do you see me? God, do you care? In fact, we're going to do a little exercise. And this exercise, it's, um, it's going to take some self-awareness and some courage. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read four statements. And if one of those statements relates to you, then I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you're watching online, just do a little raised hand emoji, type in amen, that's me, whatever to say, identify with that. And I want you to know all four of these statements I'll be standing for because they represent me, all four of them. So first, in the past year, if you've lost income, a job, a business, or a friend or family member due to COVID, I want you to stand with me. Okay, now I want you to stay standing. I want you to stand up. If you're still sitting, I want you to stand up if in the last year you've experienced relational challenges, maybe a broken friendship, marital issues, or loneliness. I want you to stand with me. Okay, stay standing. This one's going to take some courage. Stand up if in the last year you've struggled with mental health challenges, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, maybe even suicidal thoughts. Stand with me. And then lastly, stand if you would say, in the last year, it's been hard spiritually. I've disconnected from the church or I've disconnected from certain spiritual disciplines, or maybe I've even said, God, where are you? If that's you, at some point, stand with me. Now look around. Take a look. We've all been on the same journey. We've all been walking the same path. And it's been hard. You can have a seat.
All of us have been walking the same path, guys. No one's gotten a pass this year. No one's gotten a buy this year. None of us. And yet Jesus has come to bring us life. If we were to say, hey, are you living that life? Most of us would say, no, and I'm not. Or I haven't at some point in this last year. I've not lived that fulfilled, blessed, powerful, fulfilling life. And yet somehow Jesus offers it. So where's the disconnect? The third question I would ask is then how do we reset? How do we reset? I, I, love, I love living here because I love a lot of things, but one of the things I love is the different seasons we get to experience. Where I come from, there's one season, it's hot. It's hot summer the whole time. And here I love the seasons because I believe the seasons are a lot like the seasons that you and I go through in life. Right? And I, I would say for most of us, not only literally, but figuratively, we're coming out of winter. And I love spring. It's my favorite time because things come back to life. But things don't just miraculously come back to life. Things come back to life when things are reset. Like I love gardening. So when you go out there and you start messing with the soil and, soil and you start feeding the plants and whatnot, you start trimming things, and that's when stuff starts to come back to life. So if you want life, there's got to be a reset. So how do we reset? Let me kind of give you three steps. Number one, commit or recommit your life to Christ. Commit your life to Christ. For some of us, this will be a first-time decision. For some of us, man, we haven't, we've never stepped foot in church. I've met so many people today who literally have never stepped foot in church, ever. And, I, man, if that's you, I'm so proud of you. When I was walking my own faith journey and I was an atheist, there's no way you would have found me in a church. And I'm just proud of you for stepping foot in today. Maybe for some of us, that's kind of where we are. We'd say, man, I've been, just, I've been doing my, my entire life has been, I, it's just me. I've been doing it on my own. And God's saying today, why don't you just trust me? I trust that I died on the cross for you and that I was raised from the dead for you to show power over sin and over death. But for some of us, we've made that decision. We've committed our lives to Christ. And we'd say if we'd take an honest evaluation of where we are, maybe we'd say, you know what, I'm kind of ashamed of where I'm at. I've had those conversations with people and who'd say, man, I shouldn't be where I'm at in my faith journey like a I thought I was more mature than this. I thought I was, and here's what I would say to that. God's not casting shame on you. He's not saying shame on you. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. And so if that's where you are and you're like, man, I, I've kind of been disengaged from God, then commit your life or recommit your life to Christ today. No greater decision. And then two, engage your faith journey. Engage your faith journey. For all of us, we've been in a different place with our faith journey. And here's what I've, I've learned over the course of the last year. It's been really, really easy to disengage our faith. To disengage from church, to disengage from community groups, to disengage from serving, to disengage from giving, to disengage from reading God's word, whatever it may be. And there's a lot of people that have been watching online. And here's what I say. If you're watching online today and it's because of health reasons, man, we honor you and we pray for you, and I can't imagine what you're going through. But I want you to know as a church, we're behind you. But a lot of people have chosen to watch church, to watch church online because of habit. It's not health, it's habit. And I get it. 
was talking with a couple right after last service, and they're like, man, thank you. We've got to break this habit because we've just been watching online, and it's not the same as being in here. So again, if it's health, then we honor you and we pray for you. But if it's habit, let's break the habit. Like, let's engage our faith journey in a different way. For some of us, we've stepped away from community groups, and we need to step back in. For some of us, we've stepped away from serving. We need to step back in. For some of us, we've stepped away from reading God's word and certain spiritual disciplines. We need to step back in. I want to share a story of a couple in our church that they were here a couple services ago, and when I read through these, these statements, they stood up for every one of them because they've walked that journey in the last year, the journey that you and I have walked in a different way. But I love their story because it shows the steps that we can take to find health and to find growth. So take a look at this. My name is Nicole Gaines. My name is Tyler Gaines. My wife, Nicole, and I moved into Castle Rock September, 1st of September, last of August of 2019. He felt called to open his own chiropractic practice, and so I was like, I always want to live in Colorado. So we decided we were going to make the move and just kind of jumped and landed here in Castle Rock. We started going to Front Range in December of 2019 and then joined a church group in January and then COVID hit. So we didn't attend Front Range at Douglas County more than three to four times before the pandemic hit. So obviously we couldn't come in person because we weren't meeting in person. So that was pretty tough. We were very good um, about watching church online and then we kind of got into that habit. And so whenever um, Front Range started meeting back at first in, in person, uh, we really did not attend because we were Still, we hadn't had it at that point, and we were still kind of trying to be as cautious as possible where we could, and we're like, yes, this is important, but like we can just watch it online. And we kind of got back in the rhythm of, of not coming in, in person. I think for us too, like we had a really crazy 2019. Tyler graduated in December, and then he opened his practice in March of 2020, and then COVID. So it was like, we had like run, 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 like so busy, and then, literally life stopping. So I think it was hard because we um, we also moved here without knowing anyone. And so really those first couple months should have been us making friends and learning about people and getting community in the city. But because we were so busy with our wedding and him opening up practice, like we didn't really get the, the chance to do that. And then COVID hit and we, we literally- were completely robbed of the chance right. to build any type of community or friendships. Yeah. We were at the service in last January where they were talking about the community groups and we were walking around the tables and one of them said young professionals. And so then we went a few times. It was pretty great and maybe it's our age group or what, but we all continued to talk the entire months of COVID. Like every week we were texting or we were Zooming. The great thing was just having that community of texts where I know some of us were struggling with family illnesses and just like this, this, the anxiety that COVID brings and we were kind of able to like be a community. And now we're stepping into the role of leaders of our young professional group. And yes. I just have really seen God change my heart with my friends and like my relationships around people, meeting people. I think I, in a, the past, I've always been really comfortable with like, oh, I have this core group of friends and that's great and I'm cool. I'm comfortable, but life isn't fun if you're just comfortable. You need to be pushed, and I feel like God's really shown me like where I can have really strong friendships. 
especially in the last couple of months since we were taking on this new role with our community group and uh, fostering new relationships and friends. Like I found myself much more strongly connected. Like I feel my, my personal faith has grown. We also, we just want our community to rely, like they can know, oh, the Gaineses are gonna be there to help. We wanna be known as people who can help. Like yes, let's do something, we're gonna do it. We, we, love, we, it. we love it, yeah, I'm told. I love their story because there's nothing huge that happened. There's nothing supernatural or miraculous to get them to a place where they were growing again and feeling like they were in a sweet spot relationally and all of that. It was just taking steps. It was taking steps of faith. And so that's kind of what we're talking about with the reset is, one, commit your life to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if he has conquered death, then he'll conquer anxiety, he's conquered sickness, he's conquered broken relationships, he's conquered all of that. If he can conquer death, he can conquer anything in your life. And you can place your trust in him. And then that engaging your faith, man, you got to figure out where you are in your faith journey, but what steps do you need to take today to engage your faith journey, to start moving in the right direction, and lastly, draw a line in the sand. Draw a line in the sand. This one's a big one for me because my, my personality, the way I work is when I get stressed, I kind of, I kind of let go. I'm like, ah, and I kind of back up and don't really want to do a whole lot. God's like, man, that's not where I want you to be, Ernest. That's not the, the best life that I've created you for. That's not that fulfilling life that I've created you for. You got to draw a line in the sand and say, no more. Man, I'm not going to let COVID be an excuse or a broken relationship be an excuse or the craziness that's going on in the world be an excuse. I'm not letting anything hold me back from where God wants to take me. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. April 4, 2021 is going to be my date that I say no more. I've had to do this so many times in my life. I did this when I first accepted Christ. When I was an alcoholic and wrestling with atheism and Man, what do I actually believe and all this stuff? And finally, I just I had to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try this Jesus out. I don't know if it's going to work. I still have questions and doubts and all, but I'm just going to try it out. I'm not going to allow my excuses to keep me back. I had to draw a line in the sand about two months ago. I was just, just recovering from COVID and just some challenges going on for me that I haven't walked through in a while. So I'm like, mental things and just stuff that I haven't really wrestled with in a while. And I'm like, man, I just kind of want to let it all go. And God's like, that's not the life I have for you. But Ernest, you got to take a stand. You got to start moving. You got to draw the line in the sand and say, no more. I'm not, none of this is going to hold me back from what Christ has for me. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And anyone who believes in him will live. Our prayer is if you're longing for life today, if you're needing a resurgence of life in you, that maybe you take one of those three steps. Commit or recommit your life to Christ. Engage your faith journey and then say no more. No more. Nothing's holding me back from him. I'll keep moving forward. And I believe if we do, we'll experience the true life that he promises to you and I. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. God, thank you so much for, God, this day that we celebrate. And Father, hopefully it's not only a, this day that we celebrate your resurrection because it impacts every day of our lives. But God, today we pause 
And we think about your power and your faithfulness and your goodness, God. And that we would have nothing without you. And we say thank you. But God, so many of us, if we're being real honest, man, this last year has been really trying. Really difficult. And we would not say that we're living that abundant life that you promise us, that you offer to us. So God, tell us what our next steps are. For some of us, God, it is committing or recommitting our life to you. So in fact, right now, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if you'd say, Ernest, you know what? I walked into this place, and to be real honest, man, I, I've disengaged from my relationship with God. Maybe to you it feels small. Maybe to you it feels big. But God's saying, come home. Maybe it's a first-time commitment. You've never done it before, and you've just tried doing this on your own day after day, and you're exhausted. God's saying, just come home. Or maybe you've given your life to Christ at some point. You're kind of like individuals I was talking about earlier that say, man, I feel kind of some shame about where I'm at. Like, I shouldn't be here. I should be further along. And God's not casting shame on you. He's welcoming you home. So if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to know who to pray for. Amen, 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 amen. Holy cow, amen, amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. If you're watching online, you could text the word follow to the number on the screen. I want you to know if you were brave enough to identify where you're at right now and say, man, I, I need Jesus, that our God sees you. He knows your name and he knows your story. And so, Father, I pray for these individuals right now, even for those of us who would say, man, I'm in that boat, but I just, I wasn't sure what you were going to do when I raised my hand, so I didn't raise it. God, I pray for life to be given. God, I pray for forgiveness of sins, for new life to be experienced right now in Jesus' name. And then, God, for all of us, tell us what we're to do next, to re-engage our faith, God, to, to take steps like the gains we're talking about, that take steps today, Father, to move closer to health and closer to growth. Tell us what to do now in Jesus' name.